everybody to the Bullseye Podcast. Tonight, I am joined by Phil and Tyler. Hello. Hello. How's everybody doing? Fantastic. Never been better. Love it. Love to hear yeah. it. We were going to have a guest tonight, but plans changed. They will be joining us in two weeks, and that's a very, very special surprise guest. Um, so keep your ears tuned to the show for more information, and definitely look out on our Twitter for hints as, uh, as we go along. We're going to jump right in to the snake pit. Wah, wah, wah. So, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the Vipers. It was our first ever home game at Raymond James Stadium uh, to the tune of about to a little bit more than 18,000 people, which is good for third in the league for opening home games. Not bad. Respectable. Not Very respectable. I don't know if we'll ever see that number go up from there. Uh, there's some things they can do to improve that number, but I don't think they're going to happen. Considering how upset the fan base was on Twitter week, you know, the two weeks leading up to this game, uh, you know, that's it's respectable showing, and uh, they played they played a good game. It was a it was a good game for the crowd, but yeah, score wise, yeah, score wise, personnel wise, and team wise, and everything else. So, Okay, so this week was different, uh, and you could tell because of the, the output of scoring, which is something that the Vipers haven't been able to do up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, signs point to, to Jamie Elizondo uh, being given yes. the go-ahead to call plays this week, where Tressman was more focused on other things, uh, whatever Tressmans <laughs> do during being the head games. coach. Yeah, being the head coach, not getting in anyone's way. Um, which is, you know, which is nice. Yeah, it's uh, fine. Nothing wrong with so, it. So the final score of the game was Houston Roughnecks 34, Vipers 27. We hung in there uh, for, for most of the game, and, you know, we didn't win. We're 0-3. But the Roughnecks are also now 3-0. and They might be the yeah. best team in the league. Yeah, I agree with that. And it was a very winnable game, too. I mean, overall... <clears throat> You know, they play like that. If they play like that, they all three weeks they're two and one. Yeah, it's just it 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 the problem raised its ugly head again. It was the last drive, well, not the last second to last drive, and we couldn't punch it in. That's the same problem, and I mean, we can start talking about it now, but wait, why don't you? I mean, you saw you scored on a read option. From the red zone, one. The first touchdown in Vipers, or sorry, first offensive touchdown in Vipers history. Yeah. I don't know why they haven't done it again, or at least bring him, or in the second half, didn't bring him in. Use him as, as a decoy. Yeah. Use him as a decoy. If you don't plan on using him, bring him in motion, have him run to the opposite side of the field, and just be a decoy. Use him like you use him on Twitter, as a decoy, to trick people into thinking that you're going to use him. Ooh. Yeah, so Quinn oh. Flowers Quinn Flowers had uh he went four of six passing, uh no touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, but that's sixty seven percent for fifty one yards. It was a really good drive too. I think it was what the third or fourth drive of the game. Mm-hmm. And it was about what a seventy, seventy five yard drive. I believe it just marched down the field and it uh, culminates with a little read option for a seven yard touchdown run. I believe it was his second drive because he had two drives. Uh, oh, I think okay. it was maybe the team's fourth. Exactly. But he made two, I don't know what to describe as maybe classic few plays where he scrambles around for seconds and somehow finds an open receiver. One where the guy was open and just had to toe tap on the sideline. That was and a nice second, throw, though. And the second where I'm getting our running backs caught it, but good lord, he gets smacked. What a catch that was! It was a good throw, but it was oh, I know, incredible tech. I had no idea how he hung on to that football. No, he got that's uh, Devion Smith. Thank you. He got smacked by the safety. I have no idea how he hung on to the ball. Credit to him, though. Yeah, I was gonna say that's all him on that. That's that's a position where a player. That's a play. A situation where a player knows they're gonna get hit, 
stays in the play, hangs on to the ball. I think that was on third down, if I'm not mistaken, too. Yeah, I, and I think they that kept. I, I think they kept the drive alive. But yeah, that was that was a very. It was one of those plays that you get that one in particular, not so much the other one where the guy toe tapped the sideline, <coughs> but the one where he, Smith got back. Mm-hmm. It was one of those plays where you look at it on at face value, and if you didn't see where the ball ended up, you thought it was a really bad play. This Q just ran backward and backpedaled three or four times with the guys in the face threw the ball off his back foot. Like, if I were to look at that and analyze it, that's not a good play. He probably shouldn't. But, work. So. If, if, it, if it was pro football focused, they would say something like turnover worthy play or whatever nonsense that is. But in all fairness, yes, I mean, it was a situation that you think was third down where, you know, you, you just can't take a sack if you throw an interception. You know, it's an arm punt at that point. But. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. It, it was. I even remember watching that. It's like, ooh, that's not the best throw. Oh my god, he made the catch first down. Mm-hmm. And that's just he's done that for years. Is you never, you never know. It's it's the mystery of his game. Is how is he that good when he, when he doesn't exhibit, I guess, prototypical quarterback skills. You know. He's more of a runner than he is a thrower. And when he throws it, you're like, I don't know if he should have thrown that. And then all of a sudden, he's down the field. I you just know? did want to be fairly critical because I know we're about to be critical, Cornelius, for probably some bias. So I just wanted to be fair because that throw was probably one that they're going to look at in the film room and ask him why. Oh, yeah, probably. And. Yeah, in fairness, yes, it probably shouldn't have been thrown. So uh, to play Cornel- devil's advocate, go for it. Play dev- plays devil's advocate for a second, though. Yes, it wasn't the best decision. I don't think that was a bad enough decision to warrant being benched for the rest of the game. No, though. I also agree. Uh, for some reason, and I know this is a much, much, much smaller version of this, but what this kind of reminds me of, and also you know, with you really not getting an NFL shot. It almost kind of reminds me of early career Doug Flutie, where he's being told pretty much, oh, you're too small, you're too this, that. Like, he was not your uh, stereotypical, tall, standard pocket quarterback, smaller freak athlete. But it kind of reminds me of that. It's like, you know, some of these coaches just can't get over their initial impression of Q. I mean, I can't say that I'm not in his head, but that's kind of what it reminds me of. And, you know, hearing the stories of, Doug Flutie being a Bills fan. I, I agree with the premise. Maybe not the exact. <laughs> Maybe not the exact. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, but you get what I'm going for. I, I get the premise. So, Taylor Cornelius. Is he a good quarterback? Uh, he, okay, which, uh, which, which Taylor Cornelius are we getting? <laughs> it's the one that we've seen in two games. Because second half last game, minus that very last throw, that was interception, which, in all fairness, very easily, the miscommunication, the the running back read it as the option one way, the quarterback read it as the option the other way. They both were on there saying, "Yeah, I, I, I do." The second half, he played very good football, and he led a very good drive at the end of the first half. Okay, he so, played. An, he played an all right game. I mean, yeah, he, I, he had some really uh, a last game and the first part of this game. He had some throws that you know had you kind of scratching your head. But to stay on the theme with being fair, how many people in Tampa were kind of hoping the first two drives that he would go three and out because we want to see our boy play. And, I mean, you could hear the crowd. That was the crowd's opinion. <laughs> Because you're I, never, you're never gonna see a Tampa crowd that's buying into Taylor Cornelius or any quarterback that's not Q until Q well, isn't on the team. Well, I at the end of the game, it was really bad with the booze and because he threw an interception. Obviously, everybody. Obviously. 
And the first half, every time Cornelius and then completion, the crowd chanted, we want flowers. But for the majority of the second half, because we were scoring points, no one was chanting after it. I'm just, that's, so, that's just football. Like, you know, people, Tampa fans put up enough from the Bucks. They, they want us to win. Right. So what do you think is more important? That putting flowers get on the field or we win a game? To who? All in all, it's going to be... To who? Yeah. To, to the city. Well, okay. I guess to who would be uh, separate out USF fans as a demographic, but win the game. Tampa Tampa fans as a whole, right? Win the game. You win play game. to win the game. It's, right. If you take USF fans out of the equation, Rainer, more important. Everyone loves Quentin Flowers. Like everybody likes Quentin Flowers. Uh, yes. Except you for know. Uh, it, that's not even true. Uh, <laughs> Central know. Florida fans on Twitter are, are they're, they were calling for him too. Um, Carl even said in the chat earlier today or yesterday that Florida State and UF fans that were at the game with him were calling for flowers. It's just the dude is is transcends the Tampa area as a legend. He's a Florida legend at this point. And whether or not it translates to the XFL, I'm not sure it it will completely matter to everyone if he's extremely successful. Because here's what's going to happen is if he's not successful, you blame Tressman. Or not 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 saying that's correct, but you, you would blame Tressman first. And you'd say, oh, Tressman doesn't trust Flowers in this, and he doesn't work in this system. It's a whole thing. Let Q cook. Um, now, Quinn Flowers hasn't gotten a fair shot. That's that's evident. No. Um, dude had dude had was touched the ball a total of twelve times this game. Uh, he ran the ball six times for about thirty yards and a touchdown. The first one in Vipers history. That will never. We can never take that away from him, Tressman. That made me um, really happy to see him finally, you know, get that first touchdown because. Yeah, like you said, now for the rest of the time, the first Tampa Bay Vipers touchdown by Quinn Flowers. Right. But then, you know, you didn't see him in the second half for seemingly no reason. Now, if you're going to be, if you're going to be, you know, head coach and you want to have one quarterback and you believe that Taylor Cornelius is your quarterback, you got to go with Taylor Cornelius. You just got to be honest with the fans and say, we're going with Taylor Cornelius. Quinton Flowers is a serviceable backup. We have schemes for Quinton Flowers that we're going to be running with him in, but he's not going to be, we're not going to be a dual threat quarterback type system. There's not going to be a dual quarterback system. I need them to say that out loud for me to, to trust them. Pretty much. I mean, that's pretty much what trust doesn't. Is that we plan to use him more. But, see, the, it for me, it's been made abundantly because I think I said it two drives in the second half in our chat, was that as soon as Houston started scoring, we weren't going to get flowers. Not that they will not call any pass plays, but they are not comfortable with him in a two-minute situation or in a situation where they're playing catch-up. They won't play him at quarter. It just hasn't happened. And it it, it, it it played out perfectly in that scenario in the second half. And I'll say it again. Maybe we'll see it this week. I don't know. But maybe we're not seeing special packaging because he is the backup quarterback, right? They made it very clear with the depth chart that came out again today that they want him to be the third stringer. So maybe... They're waiting for another healthy guy. What about Chase Lydon? He's still on the squad. Yeah, but I think they think even less of him. Clearly, they think less of him. Yeah, we would have seen Chase Lydon. We would have seen Chase Lydon at some point. Because even with last week, where everybody was struggling, we would have seen Chase Lydon if they wanted to put him on the field. The point I'm trying to make, though, and keep in mind, I'm just arguing devil's advocate here. Uh, I know you said this week and now last or last week as well that uh, maybe they didn't want to run these because they only have two quarterbacks. 
They've got three, and Chase Lynn's actually somebody they traded for. So I'm not sure if that's necessarily it. That Well, but also, he got traded for, probably doesn't know the play. So that's, that's fair. Two quarterbacks. And so, I don't know. I, I don't know why else. Like, I don't know why else, you know, been out for two weeks. Why you wouldn't just release the depth chart with Flowers at two and Cornelius at one? Clearly, they want to keep him at one. And so, I, I, I want to ask you guys the question, though. Uh, let's just say for the sake of argument, Aaron Murray's healthy this week. Who's QB one? I think you got to go. I think you put in Taylor Cornelius because he did. He made. He might not be my number one pick because you know I'm a I'm a USF fan before anything. I want to see Quinn Flowers fly, but I think you got to put in Cornelius. Uh, give Murray time to really learn the playbook. It was evident in week one that you know it it wasn't working. Um, and I want I want everyone to be successful to some degree. You know I want Quinn Flowers to be most successful because I'm 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 selfish. I want to I want to see him succeed and honestly get back to the NFL as a, as a quarterback. Now that might be a pipe dream, but that's my yeah. personal goal for him. Um, right, that's what I want to see. That would make me a happy USF fan. As a Vipers fan, I want to see Taylor Cornelius, who seems to be Tressman's number one pick after Murray, succeed. And the guy, you know, his stats are mediocre, but like you said, his second half was pretty good. If he doesn't throw an interception, it ends up being a touchdown. We're talking. We're this is a completely different conversation, and it's not like Quentin Flowers has you know in his very limited run lit up the world either. He uh, didn't score a touchdown on the near the end of the game uh, in 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 week uh, was it week two, and then this week it was uh, he he didn't really get a, a, a lot of a lot of chances. Anything's possible. It's really, it's really early in this league, in this season. It's really early, so we're gonna have to keep an eye to the ground. But I don't know. You, I mean, you asked who would be the starter. They've made it abundantly clear. They've said in multiple interviews, Murray's healthy, number one. That's what they've. That's what Trestman said. Maybe I mean, he was their changing. number one pick. Maybe their mind changing. I don't know, but Trestman has said. When Murray's healthy, they're number one. So, I think that's an awful decision. I think, I think Cornelius is much better than Aaron Murray. But yeah, no, you got to. You also got to keep in mind that there's no, there's no real general managers or owners in this league. Everything goes through Vince McMahon and uh, and uh, Mr. Luck. So all the all the trades, all those decisions. Uh, Trustman probably is like, hey, can I can I trade this guy for that guy on 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 the on the Battle Hawks, and uh, Luck goes and looks at you know the numbers, and is like, oh, that makes sense. He was a Tampa guy. I'll send him over. You know, you know it's not. I, is that actually a thing? I'm know. just assuming. That's he's, that's he's pure speculation. But it's not. I don't. To me, it doesn't sound like the teams are really communicating. Like, hey, we'll send you a first round draft pick for you know this guy. Like, it's not like the NFL. Like, it's a completely different system because there's no owners. That um, makes sense. Like the the everyone just goes back to lock, but that's a good transition. We could talk about roster transactions. But I was gonna say before, right before we step to that, guess what? I might get to go. I might what? get to see a pass from Quinton Flowers to S.J. Green, probably starting, or at least uh, Yeah, they they put him at the uh, number four. I thought so. At least they'll probably see some snaps this week. He'll get on the field. He'll get on the field for sure. Hopefully, the are we home this week or away? We're home. All right, cool. Just said I was going. I'm sorry. I'm stupid. (laughs) Yeah. So you'll see him. So roster transactions for the Vipers. Uh, The Vipers have signed the following players: Sean Tavius Jones from Valdosta State, uh, safety Robinson Therese from Auburn. Uh, The Vipers have acquired Trey Caldwell from uh, St. Louis in exchange for Anthony Stubbs. 
the Vipers waived Dantea Die and Corey Moore. I was surprised um, to see Die go. Yeah, the, I mean, maybe the trade for SJ Green was like, hey, uh, too many receivers in the kitchen now. Now I also got Chontavious Jones, who maybe they value more than Die. Off the team nine. Yep. And then uh, Rennell Hall from UCF is on the IR. That's unfortunate mm-hmm. to see. He's a really good kick returner. Um, and then Obam Guachum from Oregon sure State. <laughs> what a name. I'm not going to pronounce that correctly in a million years. Uh, he's designated to return to the Vipers, which is good to see. Healthy, like seeing healthy guys come back. Um, healthy boy. It's kind of a Kind of a reload. Sucks for Rennell Hall because you know he might be a knight, but I, you know, his play is really good. When he played us, I was terrified of him. And and rivalry aside, you never want to see anybody get hurt. Yes, that goes without saying. So they're what we've seen from the Vipers is I think they're more uh, active on the waiver wire and on on trades than a lot of the other teams maybe they're actively paying attention to oh this guy doesn't really fit in this system and let's trade for a guy who might actually do better or let's send a guy to st louis who might have might have grown up there um for a guy who i don't know where prairie view a&m is um but that's definitely not so Florida school when we traded for a guy he went to Lu- uh, Louisiana Monroe and that's only a few states over. Kind of a stack though. Um, you know, on the Roughnecks though, how good was PJ Walker? I mean, we got to see him when he played Temple, but you know, hey, good good to see him doing well. PJ Walker is a guy who really I think should be in the NFL. How is he I not? Mean, because didn't he Buffalo was... cut him? No, no, uh, no. He was behind Luck and Set. So, it, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Brissett's a good quarterback, and obviously luckily a good quarterback. So, just probably didn't uh, think You got to think Walker's still young enough that somebody's going to give him a shot. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's only 25 years old. He'll, he'll play for the Dolphins. I mean, how? what? He was terrifying when we played, him against, when we played Temple. Uh, I don't know. They misused him at Temple. Oh, they absolutely misused him, but he was still a good enough quarterback that he pretty much kept us out of the AAC title game that one year. Him and Nick Schwarga. Okay, so I look, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, so the Pittsburgh Steelers called the XFL to see if they could sign Walker before they played the Ravens in October 2019 because Walker's a very similar player to Lamar Jackson, and they wanted to uh, have him on the practice squad. Uh, and then the XFL said no. <laughs> well, he's not even though because Lamar's a runner. He'd be better off practicing Walker. Walker's pocket. He can run, but he prefers to throw. I mean, I know I've mentioned the podcast this week when the Bills were game planning for Lamar Jackson. They had Ray May- Ray Ray McLeod on their practice squad who played Lamar. So that's uh, I-, I just don't think. Uh, E.J. Walker's the same kind of guy, but since you bring that up, if you were had the choice between a NFL practice squad or being a starter and a star in the XFL, which one would you take? Of course, you take XFL. You need experience. I yeah, mean, you go if you're still on a practice. Crazy. I mean, the money's what about pretty similar. I, I don't know. I think a starting quarterback gets paid about two hundred thousand, but don't quote me in the XFL. But, but the XFL, you. Yes, so, so if you succeed in the XFL, you might see yourself on an NFL team as a as a backup quarterback or maybe even a starter if, if someone's really, really struggling or misses out in the draft. And maybe I'd have a different set backup quarterback, but practice squad? So, I mean, I'm just curious because, I mean, I, I personally would say, uh, and it also just, I guess, depends at what point you are in your career, but I would also say, you know, be the star in the XFL, put, up, put some stuff on film, and have 32 teams be interested in you or have a shot to be interested in you versus, you know, on the practice squad, true, you're only one injury away from potentially getting signed to the uh, 52-man roster, but I don't know. I, I just prefer to be playing and put all that stuff on film, but that's just me. Well, here's the thing is when you're, when you're in college, 
that's what you're doing is building a resume of film where you if if it's cut right you will have what could get you drafted or if you're not you know a high profile you know candidate for to be a draft pick uh to get you maybe some looks as an undrafted free agent or practice squad guy and that's where you start um no one knows until the draft is over what your situation is so when you're <clears throat> when you're when you're in college that's what that's what the goal is so now all these XFL guys have the opportunity to uh to build up that resume even further so they have all their college stuff and now they have all their XFL stuff the NFL uh front offices should definitely be paying attention to I mean, clearly they were already yes yeah yeah, and that was before anything really even got started, except for him getting drafted. You know, they were they were already paying attention to PJ Walker. They know not to look at Aaron Murray, so we might have him for a while. Cornelius, if he pulls it off, maybe. All right, but let's transition out of the snake pit. One last thought on the X. Why? Why is it always after a transition it's, you want to do a last thought? It's the snake pit. I was XFL, not the snake pit. The snake pit is the XFL, but go ahead. Spill that to this. There's more, a lot more uh, positive attention towards BJ possibly starting in Seattle. I have seen yeah, that. I saw so, that too. I think like there was a point that happened. 70% of uh, Seattle players wanted him to be the starter. I saw that on Twitter this week. So, hopefully. I mean, never want to wish ill on another person, but hopefully that means... Next man up. Yes, and it's always next man up. You never want anyone to get hurt, but if they do, next man up. All right, that's it for the XFL talk this week. Now we're going to talk about some uh, very small but could be important USF news. Mitch Wilcox is in Indianapolis this week uh, trying to improve his draft stock. Um, at the NFL Combine, which I don't know if uh, I don't know about you guys, but I watch a lot of the Combine just because it's crazy to see these athletes just be superhuman and lift like insane amounts of weight and run as fast as they can without pads on. It's kind of incredible to me. I watch it a lot. I I typically don't watch the uh, Combine, but I do love because uh, uh, I'm I can't tell you really who the even. There's only one or two players I could really say like, oh, this I would want the Bills to take right now. So I really don't really focus on the combine, but I really do love the uh, the behind the videos we put out with like you know us interviewing the us interviewing some of the prospects or uh, you know watching. Yeah, they just put out a video of you know Ed Oliver's bench workout. Oh, the Buffalo year. Bills interviewing yes. the prospect. Mm-hmm. I was like, Phil, we we're not in Indianapolis. We can't interview. <laughs> Prospects. I'll I'll watch because Mitch is there. I'll watch the tight end. I always yeah, watch, watch. I always watch the quarterbacks because that that forty is so telling. I, I yeah I I will watch the tight ends this time because of that like, kind of the same way. Uh, who was that? I think it was Mac who was at the combine that I did watch. Like I, if somebody from USF's there, I'll pay attention. But if not, I, I've got other things I've got to do other than watch the whole combine. Yeah, right. So teams actually. My team's been terrible the last like <laughs> half decade now, so I don't know what's going on. I think you and I both know that wasn't a shot at you. No, I know. I don't I know. know why you're taking a shot. I mean, I'm pretty okay. So anyway, so Mitch Wilcox is at the at the combine, and he sat down with Rick Stroud, uh, who's an NFL reporter. For uh, he sat down with Rick Stroud, uh, who's an NFL reporter, and he would. Uh, Rick asked him was um, you didn't get a lot of chances at USF um, in your senior season. Do you think that's going to hurt your draft stock? And he said, I think a dip in production is never good for anyone, but I think I always tried to go in there and affect the game the best I could, no matter what I was doing. So you got a lot of practice walking. Uh, yeah, no. And it gets uh, him well. Yeah, no, there's there's more to it. So obviously, uh, it wasn't the result that my team wanted and the organization wanted. But I look, I took a lot from it 
as far as progression and development for me and my mental game. So there's a lot of good takeaways I can still take from it. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't an amazing season for Mitch, but uh, he might be the number one tight end in the draft. Um, and it, if anything, he's top three for sure. So he's going to get drafted. It's just a matter of when. What would be your prediction you know, before the combine of when he's going to go? Like, I'm going to say late third, early fourth round. I'll say mid-third. I could see him going in the second round. It just depends on how well he does at the, at the combine, obviously. Um, tight end is a growing position in the NFL. You're no longer either a blocker a receiver. Um, more often than not now, you're mostly a receiver. But Mitch has the, all the tools to be your utility tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great blocker, and he's a really he's got great hands. You throw it to him, chances are he's going to catch the ball. He's USF's like receiving uh, leader for catches in a single season and receiving yards by a tight end. The dude is incredible with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Now that you so mentioned if, that, you know, I could see him going early. I could see him maybe going late second, early third, just depending on team need. Because I remember last year, I mean, it all just depends on if you have a team that seems like, oh, you have all the tools or we have something that we like and we think the rest. The Bills traded back into the third round last year to take Dawson Noss out of Ole Miss, who didn't have a uh, who didn't have a bleach uh, touchdown. And because they saw some attributes that they liked, and he was solid for us. But I could see that being with uh, with Wilcox. You know, look at his first couple years when he had a coach and a system that was you know that he could thrive in. Throw that whole third year out with Sterling Gilbert, and even most of it with you know with Bell because they just didn't use him. But there's nobody who's going to deny the the kid can play. It's not even so that. I could. See it's not team. even that. It's. It comes down to who's available when, right? So yes. you have a tight end as good as Mitch Wilcox, who in a league where you know guys like Evan Ingram, who are these really tall, really actually wide receivers who are thick boys, but you also see guys like Austin Hooper, who got cut today by the Atlanta Falcons. They're probably looking for another pro- like tight end to fit that role. And Austin Hooper is the this almost the same kind of player as Mitch. You know, very, very tall boy, great hands. If you get him in open space, he's he's a bullet. So let's transition to basketball. All right. Ugh. Gross. All right, we can move on to basketball. Yeah. Yes. Do they play two decent games? Especially UConn, if you look at the stats, game they should have won. Uh, found two ways. I'm, I'm tired of hearing that. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be both. That's the story um, of the season. They're is... they're Owen they're Owen forced that big win at Memphis and just all the momentum just down the tube. But like I said, they played they played well at Wichita State. They played well at UConn. They didn't win. I we can go into stats all night, but that's no that that's the bottom line. I just don't have and it saddens me. I just don't have the heart to go into it because just feeling that optimism after you know we beat we played beat uh, Tulane, blow the doors off, win at uh, win at Memphis. Even that loss to Houston, where you're like, okay, we probably could have won, but we played a good team. Tulsa, bad loss. Wichita State, you know, whatever. They're a good team, but still could have won. UConn, there was no reason to lose, and that's frustrating. We play tomorrow and. You, we'll see what happens, but it's it's just so disappointing. The only the only thought I really have is kind of from a mathematical side is we won so many close games last year and we were so dramatic last year. Maybe this is just the law of average catching us and all the bounces are against us this year and hopefully that means we got a clean slate next year. And and I do want to I do want to emphasize because I understand how it can sound like, you know, when I'm saying, like, disappointing. Once this year ends, you know, that's it. Close the book on that, and mm-hmm. it's going to be optimism for next year because yep. you've guys, you've, you guys seen the videos of, you know, Yetna doing rehab and, you know, shooting and mm-hmm. all the court. He, he's looking good. He's unscheduled. I've talked at nauseum about this recruiting class coming in. So we got the reinforcements coming in, and we'll, we're going to be okay long-term just 
this was the year that you know both could have teams been. were good. It's literally teams, just the year that could have been. Both teams could have been really good at the same time, and it's just the fact that both of them are having really disappointing years is just it hurts. And it's just like welcome to another year of being a Bulls fan. I want to torture you for half a second. That's okay. No. Phil, what are the two most what are the what are the two stats that we look at every week? Free throws and turnovers. Can I get the free throws and turnovers for this game? Uh, which which game? Wichita or UConn? Uh, for UConn. UConn. Yeah. I mean, I believe we shot ninety two percent. If I remember we did. yeah, we yeah ninety two percent. We shot. We missed one free throw all game, and we had sixteen we, turnovers. You can yeah. win those numbers. Those are. Some of the best numbers we had all year, especially for three throw free throws. And it's not like it was like we made like it was like four or five. No, we had twelve of twelve of thirteen. Those this was suck though. On paper, we played a decent game. And they all they had fourteen turnovers. So there was more than enough opportunity here to win this game. And And it was it was what? A- between what two to six points until the last four or five mm-hmm. minutes of the game, where the wheels shockingly fell off, like they do to fall off in the last four minutes. It's of every just freaking a game. Yeah, when, it's just when you're a team doesn't shoot the three ball well and who doesn't get a lot of offense, you can't did, turn the ball over six. They did shoot forty six percent from three, so they're learning to hit the three. Still, I know we've asked questions because you know. We're losing Marichavich, which, you know, st- you either like him or you don't. He's a good off you know, Yeah. Redu is going to hurt a little bit leaving, but we have, you know, Caleb Murphy coming in, and we have Castaneda and uh, Colin still on the squad, so I think we'll be okay. Could this just be a situation of a relatively young team still trying to learn how to win? I mean, I think Yetna's worth at least 10 points in each game. Oh, easy. I, I think I think that's I think that's that's why this is the year of could have been because Yetna could have played Durr right Durr one left Her 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 sorry too many Ers Yeah could have stayed on the could have made a couple more free throws could have had a couple less turnovers could have had this could have had that just that's the year this year for men's basketball that's I don't want to sound I don't want to sound too much like you no know, University of If uh, in uh, UCF, but UCIF, UCIF. I we're at least five hundred. I think get in place. Injuries happen. It's sucks. Gregory earned last year. What what happened last year earned him here. Like this, if this happens again next year, then we have a talk. But if I, this year ends, just move on. Get yet in the back. Get your new recruits forward. I will scratch say, it off the record. I will say you have to remember though, and I agree with that statement to a degree. But I'm also still on the point where when he took over, this program was such a smoldering crater. It was pretty much a year minus two. I mean, remember that first year we had a team because he slapped together a bunch of transfers to play. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying, if we go through and start looking at. Yes, it was your negative two. Yes, this. Yes, that. But he's next starting to year, get on the hot seat. Yes. Next year, we'll be looking at this team. Assuming the lineup doesn't get wiped out like it did this year, there's too much talent for them to be playing like this. Agreed. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. I, I say if, like, if we're at this point next year, I'm not going to, you know, on like a fire Gregory or anything, but I'll say... That's when the hot seat's going to start warming up. Ugh. This is depressing. Yeah. Jose is fine. Yeah, no, for sure. He just got a bobblehead. Oh, yeah. Just and- injuries, too. They, they, I have no worries about them long-term. Just another neither, one of those things where, unfortunately... Neither, than I, but, neither do I, but also losing Central Florida twice in a year is not okay for this women's team. I will say... And they came back and they absolutely smoked Memphis and TCU, which neither are very good teams, but 68-47 and then 85-52 this evening. So, 
this, like I said a couple weeks ago, this other than the experience some of these players are getting, throw this year in the trash can. This is not a year that, not a typical year. Injuries, whatnot. It's just what could have been this this year with both these teams. That's gonna. This is gonna be one of the greatest what ifs in basketball history. Here, uh, baseball. Uh, we just. Uh, what do we do? We just lost the series to Northeastern, and we're about no, to play we, Northwestern. We got swept at home by Northeastern. Oh, nothing, nice. Ten nothing. Two nothing. I think we had to combine four hits during that doubleheader. And then lost seven to five. So, Jesus. on the bright side, um, trying to find the kid's name, but we had we have this freshman pitcher who, from all accounts, has been throwing really well. Carson Ragsdale had a good outing on I think through on Sunday, but when you score five runs over three games, it's not going to get it done. Plain and simple. Nope, absolutely not. And I don't think any of us here are real baseball experts either to tell you who's going to really come out of this swinging. And hey, it's it's not like we, the schedule gets any harder. Oh wait, we go to number six Coral uh Miami and Coral Gables on tomorrow. So Oh didn't gonna... they didn't they just get swept by UF? Uh they'll drop two out of three. Okay. Yeah. Which funny you mentioned UF. After we host Northwestern this weekend, we hope we have a three game series in Gainesville on the sixth to eighth, so that could go well. Okay, so here's the thing: baseball is is weird. If That's we true. win, if we win either of the Miami or the UF series, and I'm not saying we will, but if we can bounce back and we win either of those series, there might still be hope for the this USF Bulls team because those are those are two really good high profile teams. Well, and we do have someone that that Miami UF series when they played was one versus two. Those were number one and number two. Like yes. So, <laughs> two out of three makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm just get, going... if we can get some runs, it'd be nice. Just, just show me, show me some life. We know our pitch is going to be good. Just the offensive, they got to figure something out. And they got to figure something out fast. Otherwise, this season's going to get away from them very quickly. All right, um, softball. Oh, hey, softball! On the other side of the fence, what a weekend! They had the USF Invitational, uh, FIU, and number 12, Tennessee, were in 7-1 win over FIU. Dramatic 2-1 uh, walk-off win on Saturday over 10, number 12, Tennessee. Uh, they decided they wanted another walk-off because they walked off against FIU 5-4 and then beat number 10, uh, 12, Tennessee again 3-2, and that wasn't a walk-off. They, they took a lead into the last inning, and Held on for dear life. Go team. And what we're talking about, uh, what last week uh, with our schedule, if they could just get a little bit of momentum that they picked up, you know, by Texas Tech and Georgia, that they can start to turn it around. Tennessee is no joke. That is that is two very, very, very good wins, as evidenced by their number twelve. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and now they play. Schedule takes a. Easy a little bit, you know. FGCU's not bad. Then Rutgers, uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Syracuse. So, you know, a couple decent teams. But looking back at the schedule, they're not Tennessee. They're not UCLA. They're not Georgia. They're not Bama. They're not Oklahoma State. They're not Texas Tech. So, a lot of winnable games coming up. And one more win, we're back to five hundred. So, all right. So it's a good thing to stay optimistic for this USF uh, softball team. Potentially some really good things to look forward to. They had a real rough start to the year, so maybe they're turning around, which is nice to see. I think it's also, um, you know, they're not, when you play teams like that, you know, you have to kind of grow up quickly or you're going to sink. And so, you know, they, credit to them. They battled, they battled hard and they got rewarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other USF news before we go to questions? And keep in mind, you have to. Um, right, for this is for men's soccer, and just I want to preface this: this is you have to keep uh, spring results with a grain of salt because neither side is playing anything remotely to their roster. But men's soccer did beat uh, FC Dallas one uh, 0 Oh, very nice! Anytime anybody beats a team from Dallas, I'm happy about it. And a professional team. Now <laughs> they're they're playing the reserve 
they're playing their trial. We're trying to see who's going to make the roster. So most of those guys aren't going to be with FC Dallas or they're going to be with their USL team or whatnot. But don't take that away. That's, that's a good result. You have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt, but it's a solid result. And then uh, I'm not sure if we mentioned it uh, on a previous podcast, but uh, USF Hockey is officially going to Dallas. They'll be the number one seed in the South region, joined by the University of Tampa, who's number two, and then two more will be decided by a regional tournament. But congrats to hockey on another uh, trip to Nationals. Very nice. Very nice. Um, All right. I have uh, a quote here uh, from Coach Scott of USF Football. Uh, This is from Nick Simon of TDS. He says, nothing's official. But here's the quote. We're talking right now about building a new indoor facility and trying to get started with that this summer. And then also building a new football complex practice center starting next summer. There's a lot of big things on the horizon. Do you think that's the, because I remember uh, about six to nine months ago, they were talking about potentially uh, building, you know, the indoor practice facility, just the indoor stadium part of it. So kind of, similar to what the Bucks have, where they just have the field indoors, do you think that's maybe what they mean is we're just going to get the football field and indoors so we practice during the summer lightning out, and then when we have the rest of the money build the locker rooms and everything else around that, or do you think this is a, a separate project? Yes. Yeah, it sounds like two different things. It sounds like we're going to have an indoor all-sports facility where until the football building is built separately they're going to just kind of be in there but i think that was kind of the plan from the beginning from the uh from the original renderings was football has like this big field indoors and like they have their own space but then there's also like the the common spaces for the rest of sport but i think i think this is good and this kind of leads right into our question segment of the week if you eat this week yeah, not only Heat this week, which is good to see some more people doing it. Um, if you have questions for us, and we will answer almost any question, uh, no matter how dumb, we've answered questions about what kind of dog are you, or if you had to be a USF athlete, you know, all these all these questions. I'm not going to say bad questions or, or stupid questions, because there's no such thing as a stupid question on this show. Ask ask anything. Ask us anything, and we'll we'll try to give it our best answer. Um, so this week we have a question from last week's guest, uh, Jacklefield. Who would you rather have as your head coach? If, I'm assuming of a football team, uh, Mark Trustman or Skip Holtz. Oh, I hesitantly say Trustman. Actually, uh, yeah. My problem is I was not here when Skip Holt was coach. I didn't I didn't come to USF to 2013 in Haggard's first year. Uh, do you want I'm me to do you want me to swap out? Do you want me to swap out? Do you want me to add a, a third answer? It might make it easier for you because I'm What's in the you? same boat. Uh, no, I'll, I'll answer the question. You know what? I'll I'll answer the question as is. I'm gonna say Restman only just because I did see. And I think that might have been given that control of the offense, the offense coordinator. But they did make adjustments. It didn't, work, but they did at least adjust a little bit. But uh, it, it's right. not by much. I'm going to go with you guys and pick Tressman. The third answer I was going to include was Charlie Strong to make it really the, a trio of terrible head coaches in Tampa history. Um, but Mark Tressman, I've he at least coached for the Bears for. Two seasons, I think. Skip Holtz. Uh, I wasn't around for, for him, but he, he doesn't have the experience. That he can't do anything over a law tech or level because he was great at ECU before they came to the American, and then we hired him. Crap! And he went back down to law tech, and you know, law tech. So. I, I, I can't argue level. with that logic. I that's can't argue with that. Yeah, logic. it sounds like Mark Trestman's your guy there. Another, another. Everyone, everyone who's a fan is a guest, which is hilarious. Uh, James Callahan, 
uh, our guest from a few weeks ago asked, uh, what is the over-under date for the football facility groundbreaking? Our coach just answered that. He said uh, summer, some point this summer. So let's hope uh, around when the season starts. Now in the nitty-gritty. Heath, it's time for Heath's question of the week. week, week, week. Uh, Heath asks, oh, it looks like he's got two questions again. Um, Heath asks us, Judy changed her mind. Uh, she asks you what to invest her money in on campus instead of the Honors College. Where do you spend that $20 million? I answered as a joke. I answered as a joke uh, before, but I'm, this isn't my answer for the show. I wrote, it goes right into a brand new logo, baby. <laughs> uh, but Tyler, you can start. I don't know. Um, that's honestly really tough. They just did new dorms. Uh, a Publix. Publix. I mean, the public. I think Publix paid for the Publix. I, I went into the I in the college sciences, college of arts and sciences. They all, they already put a lot of money in the Muma. By that, I, mean, I know put a lot of money. Yeah, Muma. Muma owns the business building. Zimmerman owns the Mascom building. No, That's kind of exciting just, how how much money's been put into USF over the years, though. I don't want to be lame and say that new football stadium because that's what I feel like everybody wants. But I guess that then. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like as a as a sports podcast, that's the smart answer. Phil, can you give be, us a, an answer? I'm going to keep part of the money into the honors college simply because. Hang you on, can't man. answer the question specifically. Uh, he said instead of the honors college. No I said, money. Hang go. on. I said part of the money. Part of the money. You know, Judy did phenomenal work building the academic University of South Florida and got it to preeminent status. And I feel like you know, if I'm donating the twenty million dollars, I'm putting at least some of that money into the honors college just to honor, you know, make sure that you know the yeah, it's to honor her with. You know that building and whatnot, and to keep that going with her, the academic prestige of the university. That said, I'm also taking above a massive portion of that, and I'm putting that towards the indoor facility so we can get that project up and running, and then we can fundraise for other other needs, whether it be you know eventually an on-campus stadium or upgraded facilities, more scholarship, or just freeing up more donation money to do what else the university needs instead of just one capital project. So. I'm gonna say like five million to the honors college, fifty million into our indoor facility. I'm gonna do twenty million goes right back to the students. Um, pay a can lot re- of money can, in can tuition. No, no, it doesn't go back to 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 alumni. It goes right back into the students who are going there now, who uh, put money into their books for this year. Uh, it's it's straight up going right back into your pockets if you. If you're if you're a USF student and you need if you can't you know afford a book here's some cash to to help you out if you can't afford room and uh, room and board you don't want to live off campus here's some cash to help you out you got twenty million dollars got a bunch of students give it right back to the students yeah socialism baby I'm gonna be completely honest I thought when Phil said I'm gonna keep it because <laughs> that's how he started that I almost fell out of bed. <laughs> Yeah, I'm that green. All right, so Heath's second question of the week. You have to swap places with a current USF athlete for one week, meaning they get your job and you get their job uh, or or their position and and role on their team. Who do you switch with? The time would be during the sports season and not a bye week, so you can't like weasel your way out of not playing. Uh, Things to consider. How well uh, they could do your job how much they practice and play, and how much they would expect of you. Oh. And so that's I a have, weird question. I have a lot of questions. About All right, go ahead. I'll like, try to answer. Do we think it's like a Freaky Friday? Yeah, I'm going to say it's body? a Freaky Friday. I'm going to say it's a Freaky get- Friday and you get their body. Like, you switch brains. Do I keep their ability? You have the ability, but you don't know how to use their body at all. Okay. Um, it's like wow. when Mister. It's like when Inspector Gadget like woke up for the first time and he had no idea and he shot toothpaste all over the place. That's you. 
Wow, that that's a tough one. Um, okay, I'm going to. I'll, I'll give this a shot. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Chase Ferguson on men's tennis. If we're doing the thing where it's like we, um, I have the ability, I just don't know how to use it. I feel since I actually played the game a little bit, I'd be able to at least figure it out a little bit quicker. Uh, plus, the reason I also say that is over my time interning uh, with South Florida, I've worked with a lot of a lot of tennis players interned with us, so I feel that'd be a position that you know what I do for a living well that they could jump in and. Uh, help with that as well but just simply because i've worked with uh tennis players before so that that's my pick all right tyler i'm trying to think of our middle line damn all right while you while you think i have an answer i'm going to switch body uh brains with uh quincy rideau the reason is i'm six feet tall he's six one if he has a bad game or a few bad games during the week we're already not that great so who would notice I shoot about 50% from the free throw line. He shoots about 50% from the free throw line. He's from West Palm Beach, Florida. I live in Boynton Beach for right now. I I expect him to actually do pretty well at my job. It's not like social media is the hardest thing in the world. Uh, plus, he'd probably be more entertaining on the podcast than me as the host. I don't think I could. I don't think I can live through a actual college basketball practice. I played rec basketball and like a little bit of intramural, but we did come in second in out of out of four teams. Um, gang gang, I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the name of our team? I can't remember. The invasion when we had the uh, um, yep. Uh, yeah, the Fallout logo. The Fallout. I saw the Fallout logo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the invasion with Carl shooting up some absolutely terrible. Holy, oh. is he bad at basketball? Remember that time where Carl was running down the court and he slipped on something or he got tripped and his head just bounced off the the, the hardwood? Vaguely. That, I, that is etched into my brain. I was on the bench when that happened. Literally, our game plan, though, was give the ball to Justin and let him do his thing. Yes. Well, Justin is yeah. an athlete. Or back then, he was an athlete. <laughs> and all of us were terribly out of shape. So it was the best I idea. I was pretty good at passing. I was you, decent, you were I was good at defense. defense. I was good at defense. I scored about four points a game. I think <laughs> it was nice. Granted, we never got. I don't think we ever forty points. But I also played. I played forward, and I was like six feet. <laughs> yeah, I was your typical. Your hustle can't really can have his moment shooting, but is a <laughs> point guard through and through with. Uh, yeah. Passing and hustle. <laughs> oh, uh, I have a roommate named Marcus. Marcus. I had a roommate named Marcus, and Marcus was supposed to be our height. He couldn't. He can't play basketball for anything. He's not an athlete. Um, but he's like six four, six five. Um, and he's really tall. And if he puts his hands up, he can like touch the rim. So I figured, you know, if we have him down low, it might be might be beneficial for us. Well. Before the first game, we're practicing, and he doesn't have basketball sneakers, and he like tears his his toenail from his toe, and he's out for the season. I will say, he was phenomenal on the bench at trash talk, and this really, really like happy looking, mild mannered guy. Yeah, on the bench, experience. on on the bench though, he could trash talk with the best of them. He was hilarious. Oh, I think I brought up Marcus last week when we were talking about Smash. Yeah, so this is two two weeks in a row I've talked about Mark. I should bring him on the show. I think he'd be fun. Um, so shout out to Marcus. Uh, Stop that's Marcus. yeah, that's it for uh, Wait, questions. No, Tyler's blessed. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, if Dwayne Boyles is middle line, think he is question mark. We'll see. I would want to switch with him. Okay, Boyles, Boyles, Bulls, B O Y L E S. I'd say that sounds like Boyles phonetically. Boyles. Um, it'd be my pick because the more I've thought about like maybe going back and playing different sports than growing up, I kind of have been backer just because it's I never had big enough hands to be a quarterback. So middle linebacker is basically defensive quarterback. 
I feel like I have a decent brain. <laughs> so I think that would be fun in my job. You could you can one hundred percent just Blue Mountain State that that uh backup quarterback job. That'd be great. True. My job is anybody can all right, great. All right, that's it for uh, questions and Heath's question of the week. It's now its own segment. Um, and that's pretty much it for the show this week. Um, <clears throat> any last remarks, gentlemen, before we close the thing out? Go uh, Bulls. Go Bulls. Go for Q. Please, please, Vipers, use Q. Your, your fan base depends on it. Truly. All right, that's it for the show this week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at BullseyeCast. Um, the Bullseye Podcast is available everywhere podcasts live, uh, from Apple to Spotify. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. You, you name it, we're there. If you have a question to ask, uh, join our Discord at uh, the Bullseye Studio. You can find the link on our Twitter page. That's it for the show. So long. And no more.